candle is lit this morning. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Someone in our family of believers came to know Jesus Christ last week and I met with them this week and they said, Tim, what do I do next? And I was glad to share with them their faith journey and what they're going to be doing. I do have some sad news to share with you. Teresa Dunlap's sister, Lisa, passed away last night. So we've been praying for her sister, praying for the family, but she passed away. But you know, even in death, yeah, we can celebrate the living because Christ is on the throne. And when you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, even death has no sting on your life whatsoever. But we pray for Teresa and her family, and that's why we want to bring that up this morning. Listen, if you're here this morning, you are on a great morning. You're in here. You're here for a journey that is so amazing. It's so incredible. Of all the churches you could have went to this morning or not went to, I'm glad you're here this morning because you're on a great morning. We are in the middle of a series called The Five Solaces of the Reformation. Yeah, I'm talking about the 1500s. I'm talking about 501 years ago. Martin Luther, the 95 Thesis. Are you still awake? <laughs> Sounds boring, doesn't it? But it's not. It's exciting. It's the, what our very faith hinges on. It's the foundation of what we believe as a Protestant church, as a, as a church, a Bible-believing, God-fearing, Christian, God-fearing church. It's what we believe. It's what, 50, in the 1500s, it's what some men stood up and said, enough is enough. There's got to be more than what is being offered to us. And so they did something absolutely amazing. They returned to the scriptures to find the truth. And so that's what we're in the middle of right now. Something I want to encourage you with before we go any further is if you've not been baptized, this might sound like I'm taking a little sidetrack here, but we didn't get a chance to show the video announcements once, twice, maybe next week, third time will be a charm. We'll be able to show the video announcements, right? But if you've not been baptized, we have a baptism service coming up during our outdoor picnic coming up at the end of the month. And I want to encourage you, if you've not taken the next step of faith in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you've received him as Lord and Savior, and you want to declare that in front of your family and friends, at the end of the month, we're going to have baptism service. So please come talk to me. Say, Pastor Tim, I want to take that next step. And I don't care if you were saved when you were 12 years old and you're 75 now and you know, you say, listen, I've never declared publicly in front of all my family and friends, my neighbors, and it'll be outdoors. Who knows what's going to be out there, right? If you've not done that, I want to encourage you to do that. It's a declaration and we want to celebrate with you. And this morning we're celebrating the five solaces of the Reformation. What in the world is that even about? The solace. What is a solace? It's Latin for only or lone, singular, alone. That's what that word means. Unoccupied. Un, 
accommodated. It's me, it means one by itself, completely all alone, not for or with or by anybody else. It's by itself alone. And that's why we say grace alone. There's no other thing. Grace alone. Christ alone, what we're talking about this morning. Faith alone. God's glory alone. And scripture alone. You see, in an age of corruption and false teaching, the Protestant reformers, those that had come, have come before us back in the 1500s, they said enough is enough. They stood up and they said, let's return to the scriptures. And that's just what they did. To the chagrin of a lot of people around them that said, no, no, we, we've got to stay right where we're at. We like the setup we have. It was very much like the Pharisees of the day. We want people coming to us in order to go to him. And these reformers stood up and said, no, something's got to be changed. And they did just that. They found the way of salvation. Instead of indulgences or going to mass ritually and just over and over and over, instead of the relics that people would literally look at these relics and worship and other superstitions, they discovered the ancient way of salvation. Surprise, surprise, spoiler alert here. Darth Vader is Luke's dad, and the way of salvation is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is it only. And these reformers, back in the 1500s, I told you it sounds boring, but it's not. To me, I'm all excited about it. I'm like, praise the Lord, these guys regrouped us in a time when everyone else was going this way. They had the courage to say, no, it's not that way, it's this way. Even though people were dragging them and pulling them and ridiculing them, they said, that is not the way. There is a standard. There is a way. There is the truth. There is the life. And it is Jesus Christ and Jesus and Christ only. We need to be going this way. And they were ridiculed. They were excommunicated. Folks, there are times in life where you need to step up and say, enough is enough. We're going the wrong direction. We need a course correction. If you're not going to go with me, I'm going by myself, I guess. But I'm not going off that cliff. We need to go this way. So the five solaces were their attempt to summarize the biblical teaching of salvation. That God made us alive. You know, God is, he's, he's breathed his life into us. You know, he created everything else. He spoke them into existence. But when it came to man, he created and then he breathed his life into their nostrils and they became alive. With his spirit. He didn't do that with animals. Listen, I love animals. Love them. Got three indoor cats and about a kajillion outdoor cats right now. I love animals. Those of you that follow me on Facebook, you know I'm dying for a puppy. But as long as we get all these cats, no puppy in my future, right? I love animals. They're amazing. But God didn't breathe his life into an animal. Okay, He didn't come as a man to be amongst us and make his dwelling amongst us. The word did not become flesh to save Lassie. The word became flesh to save Timmy. Or man, thank you, Susan. You put your name in there, all right? This is what the five solaces are all about. Grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone, for God's glory alone. For scripture alone, that God has made us alive. He breathed his life into us. And that he's completely for us. You know, so much of the world tells us that God is against us. In fact, we as believers have bought into that. We're known more for what we're against than what we're for. And God is for us. Gay, lesbian, straight, I don't care where you're at, what you're doing with your life. I don't care what kind of mess you've fallen into. God is for you. Amen? 
That was their attempt. It's by grace alone, by God's grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, received through faith alone for the glory of God alone, with Scripture alone as the only final decisive authority on truth. He is worthy, amen? He is worthy, yes? Let me read for you. Doxology found in the book of Romans. Doxology meaning praise to God. Like praise God, it's a doxology. Here's my doxology for the rest of my life. This is what it says here in the book of Romans. Oh, the depths of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unspeakable his judgment and his plans beyond tracing out. We can never even figure out where God is going. It's beyond our comprehension. Who has known the mind of Christ or who has been his counselor? Who's been God's count? When God's like, I just don't know what to do. I should probably give this person a call. Maybe they can help me. No one does that with God. God needs no counselor. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? No one. Hey, man, listen, I need $5, God says. Can, you, can I borrow five bucks from you? Okay, God, here you go. Here's $5. Listen, when, you receive, when we receive tithes and offering, God does not need it. He's not looking for that from you. He's looking for your obedience, that you trust him, that you love him, that you desire him, that you delight in him with everything in your life, including your pocketbook, your wallet, your checkbook, your finances. You say, God, you've given me 100% of everything I have. I'm going to give you back just a small portion. God doesn't say, okay, oh, thank you so much. I'll repay you later. No. Who gives to God that God would have to repay them? Nobody. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God, Jesus Christ, is worthy. Amen. Is he worthy this morning? Why is he worthy? Why is God alone worthy? Because of who he is. That's why he's worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy because of who I am. But he is worthy because of who he is. And who is he? He's Jesus Christ, God alone. Jesus asked his disciples, he was with his buddies, he said to them, he said, guys, what's the scuttlebutt? (laughs) What are they saying about me around the water coolers? Around the fishing holes, as you go about here and there in the marketplace, as you know, you look around, you know, when I show up, people are like, oh, hey, Jesus. But then I turn my back. What are they saying about me? What are they saying about me? And in Matthew chapter 16, we find Jesus asking his disciples, he says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, maybe Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Basically, they were saying, you know, Jesus, they say you're a good man. They, they like you. You're a good teacher. They say you're a prophet of sort. In fact, they may, you may even be reincarnated as Elijah, who has went on. Or maybe Jeremiah, who has went on. I mean, like, Jesus, they believe you're amazing. A lot of people believe he's amazing. A lot of people believe that he's a good guy, a good preacher, a good prophet, a, a good teacher. But he's so much more than that. 
if you get stuck in that gear, you're going to be in neutral and you're going to roll right back down the hill. There's a lot of world religions out there that say, yes, Jesus is a great teacher, a great preacher, a great prophet. In fact, he may be all these great things, but it was Simon Peter when Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? I I get what everyone else is saying about me, and thank you for sharing that with me. But who do you say I am? Simon Peter, audacious, bold, courageous, walking on water. Peter, he was the only one amongst the boys. He kind of looked around at all of them. He said, no one else going to say this? Are you guys kidding me? You've been walking with him. If you're not going to say it, I'm going to say it. All right, fine, I'll say it. Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the one who has come to suffer and die for us. You are the Messiah that we've all been looking for. You are the Christ. You are the son of what? The living God. Amen. So why is Christ alone worthy? He's worthy because of who he is. And who is he? I ask you, who is he to you? I'll tell you who he is to me. He's my everything. He's my everything. I love Jesus Christ more than I love my wife and my kids. I love Jesus more than I love you. I love Jesus more than I love my job. I love Jesus more than anything because he's my everything. And you know something? My wife and daughters need to know that I love Jesus more than I love them. Because loving Jesus is the best thing I can do to love my family. Husbands, wrap your heart and mind around that. As much as you love your wife, love your kids, love your stepkids, love your foster family, love, love, love. You love everyone around you. As much as you love them, Jesus loves them more, so love him more. Yeah? It's the best thing you can do is to surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, I surrender all. Remember that good old song? I surrender all. You remember that? When you just surrender all, And you say, Jesus, I love you above and beyond everything else because you are Christ alone and you are worthy. In the book of Hebrews, it says this. In the past, God spoke to us through our forefathers, the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see, the word became flesh, and the flesh was the word, and it, it, it became to us. God began to dwell among us, and that's how God began to speak to us, and it's how he speaks to us today. goes on to say, speaks through his son, who he appointed heirs over all things, and, th- and through whom he has made the universe, the son of is the radiance of God's glory. Isn't that wonderful? It's so poetic and beautiful. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Imagine being on the dark side of the moon, completely, it's it's dark, you can't see anything. You radio silence, everything drops off. It's completely, you are then at that point completely alone. And as you circle around, the dark side of the moon and you come into the beauty of the earth and the sun shining in its radiance. That is Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He is worthy. Christ alone is worthy. Why? Because of who he is. And who is he? He's everything. He is more than just a reflection, a dim reflection of who God may be. No, he is God. 
And when you read the words of God, you can discover exactly who God is. Who was Jesus? He waited for his friends to come ashore. And when they came ashore, he had breakfast waiting for them. That's Jesus. That's God. Who was Jesus? He reached down and he touched people who were untouchable. You didn't touch lepers. But he would reach down and touch them with leprosy. He gave sight back to the blind. Those that were poor and and just disgraced by everybody around them. He reached down and healed them. That's Jesus. That's God. Who is Jesus to you? I hope you're serving and worshiping that God because that God is worthy. That God is worthy. Jesus said of himself, he said, listen, don't worry. Don't be dismayed. Don't be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. Then he goes on in John 14, 6, he says, listen, I am the way. When Moses went and got the command, and then he went down to the people in Israel, right? Moses says to them, well, God, who should I tell them sent me? And God said, you tell them I am. Remember that? Some of you? God spoke of himself and he said, you tell them I am sent you. So when Jesus fast forward said to his disciples and to the people there in John 14, 6, when he stood up there and said, I am, (laughs) that meant something. Sadly, on this side of the cross, we've become accustomed to it. Sadly, on this side of the cross, we've somehow lost that double-edged sword feeling, that sharp edge. But on the other side of the cross, when Jesus said, I am, you trust in God, trust also in me because I am. Wow, that's powerful stuff. We don't tremble as much as I'll bet you they trembled then. They were bewildered then. We have no excuse to be bewildered now. We have excuse to be in awe and be awestruck by that statement. But he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Christ only and Christ alone. Unaccompanied by anybody else. It's not like Jesus walks in the room and has to have a posse with him. It's not like Jesus walks in the room and is waiting for his entourage to show up. He can walk into a room all by himself and everything comes to a complete halt. He can step into your marriage, into your finance, into your relationship, into your brokenness, into your sin, into your ugliness. And I can go on and on. He can step into your life of celebration and this party just got a whole lot bigger. You follow what I'm saying? We think of Jesus stepping into our brokenness. But what about when he steps into our lives and he makes us whole? And a celebration just breaks out. And a candle is lit. And the angels in heaven begin to celebrate. That Jesus is worthy of praise. Acts chapter 4 says this. Salvation is found in no one else. Not in the Pope. Let that sink in. Not in Billy Graham, not in me, not in you, not in anyone, not in Confucius, not in Allah. Which, by the way, Allah never became a man to come down and save man. He was just Allah and said, you come up here and worship me. But God became man to save man. By no other name is man saved. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we, listen to this word, must be saved. 
When I tell my daughters they must clean their room, it's not a suggestion. They better do it. (laughs) And if they don't, it's up to them, I suppose. But if they don't, there's consequences. Now, they're both 27 and 20 now, so it's a little different, right? What happens to a man who's flailing around in the ocean, sharks circling all around, and he is dying quick because he is sinking, because he can't swim? What happens if he's not saved? He must be saved. And if he's not saved, what happens to that man? He dies. He drowns. We must be saved. But truly, it's left in our hands. Will we decide that Christ is worthy? Will we decide that he is someone that we can follow? That we can give our lives to? Christ alone is worthy. He is worthy, amen? Yes? I want to share with you a few things and we'll close with prayer and we'll move on. we got a wonderful song that we're going to close the service with. And I know you're going to love it because it's just going to pull at your heartstrings. And I don't mean it to pull at your heartstrings like I'm trying to do something dramatic. But let me tell you something. There's something wonderful about music, amen, that cultivates the Holy Spirit, that begins to allow the Holy Spirit to move in the people's lives. So I want to tell you right now, prepare your hearts now. Ask the Holy Spirit to come right now. Let's do that. Father God, right now, I pray that you would begin to just stir amongst your people here as we go through the remaining part of this message, as we continue to dive into your word, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm us with a deep sense of your presence, that you would, that you would speak into our lives. And when, we would do, when we, you speak into our lives, we would respond with only by saying, Christ, you are alone are worthy. Christ alone is worthy. And we receive you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. You know, Christ is worthy of so many things. My wife and I were talking last night as I, believe it or not, was putting some of the final points onto this message. And I said, you know, Christ is worthy of our worship. Yeah. And then we began to talk and I said, well, what is it we worship? We think of worship as music and it is. But what do we really worship? And we begin to talk about, actually, we were stuck on the train on Cable Road. So, you know, we had like two hours to spare, (laughs) right? So we're sitting there talking. It was just last night. I said, you know what, as we were talking, you know what we worship as Americans particularly? We worship and value our time. Time. We value our time. So much so that we begin to worship it. We worship our alone time. Just need to be alone. I just need to get away and be alone. We value and worship our family time, our nap time, our private time, our work time, our free time, our social media time, hours a week. Some of us, hours a day we spend on social media. We value it to the point where we begin to worship it. We value and worship our game time when we watch baseball and football. Oh, it's coming. Football season's coming. It's on its way. The big rivalry is on its way. We worship that. We worship our sports time, watching it, reading about it. Sports time with our family, right? Oh, sorry, I can't be at church next week. My kid's got a soccer game out of town. Now, I'm not saying don't take your kid to soccer, come to church. All right, maybe I am, but no, really. We value our time so much that we begin to worship it. But I want to tell you something. Christ alone is worthy. And Christ is worthy of our time. Number one, 
He's worthy of your time, your precious time that you value so much that you practically worship. The time you spend alone with your family, your nap time, your private time, your work time, your free time. All that time you spend on social media. All the time you spend on the sidelines in that chair that that folds out and that crumples up and fits in the back of your truck. All that time, God, Jesus Christ alone, is worthy of that time. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 from the Message Bible. Check this out. It's up on the screen. Look at it with me. I love this interpretation or this paraphrase of this. I love it. It just speaks my my love language in some some spots, and this certainly does. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. You can't do it alone. You You can try, but you will fail over and over. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as your offering. That's your spiritual act of worship right there. Place it before God as your offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I already told you, loving Jesus is the best thing you can do for your family. Embracing God and loving God. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Without even thinking, you're spending hours on social media. I'm as guilty of it as anyone in this room. When one of my daughters will look at me and say, Dad, put down your phone. And I'm instantly, not condemned, but convicted by the Holy Spirit to say, Tim, what are you doing? God is worthy of our time. How about putting down your cell phone and your social media and picking up the word of God and spending some time with him? I can't tell how many people I talk to and they say, I just don't have the time. I'd love to study the word. I'd love to go to that Bible study. I'd love to do this, but I just don't have the time. But you spend hours and hours giving your time away to something that's not eternal. Christ alone is eternal. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. You see, often we recognize what God needs from us or wants from us, but we're not quick to respond to it. Why? Because we're so busy, we just don't have the time. But Christ alone is worthy of our time. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you, developed, well-informed maturity in you. Christ alone is worthy of our time. Amen? He is worthy? Think about that today as you leave this building, as you walk out. Think about, is Christ worthy of my time? And if the answer is yes, he's worthy of my time, then begin to consider how you're spending your time today. Where you go, what you do, the nap time, the working time, the sitting in front of television, watching seven episodes of MASH or The Office or whatever you're doing. Sometimes I do both. Flip back and forth between Andy Griffith and The Office. Boom, boom, boom. Between Bill Gaither's homecoming reunion and, you know, whatever However you're spending your time, consider how you're spending your time and know that God is worthy of that time. Christ is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our trust. Christ alone is worthy of our trust. Listen, we trust so many things in our life. I don't want to scare anybody. 
You're going to think about this when you go home, but Christ is worthy of our trust because we trust so many other things. Can't we trust Jesus? Yes. Certainly, if we can trust when you're on Cable Road and traffic is going like this, you're trusting that car coming at you is going to stay in their lane, aren't you? You know how I know? Because you don't slam on your brakes, jump out of your car, run the other way. You don't take a, left, a right turn and get away. No, you just right by them. When you're on the interstate and that big old semi is passing you, you trust they're going to pass you and not run you over. Yeah? We trust so many things. We trust oncoming traffic. We trust the fact that the sun is going to rise tomorrow morning. It's going to set tonight and it's going to rise tomorrow morning. We trust that. You doubt me? Go stand outside. And just scream at the, at the skies. No, you're not going to rise tomorrow. I know, you're not, I know the sun is not going to rise tomorrow. We trust oncoming traffic. We trust the rising and setting of the sun. We trust the involuntary. You're blinking right now and you don't even know it. What if you, just, what if you had to always remember to blink? You trust that you're going to blink. You trust that you're going, your reflexes are going to work. If I had a baseball and I threw it at somebody real quick, I, I would hope their reflexes would work. We trust our reflexes. We trust our breathing and our heartbeat. Yes, there are tragic seasons in people's lives where their breathing stops and their heart gives out. But every day we wake up knowing the sun is going to rise. We believe in the involuntary and trust in the involuntary that we're going to breathe and we're going to breathe out. And we're going to, our heart's going to beat and our eyes are going to blink. But let me tell you something. He is a sustainer of all those things. It's only by grace alone that those things are able to happen. So certainly, Christ is worthy of our trust. Psalm 33 says this. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to it. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 11. He is worthy of our trust. We trust bridges. Yes, there are tragic times in our culture and society and our world where bridges give out. But every bridge you go over, you don't stop and get out and inspect the bridge. You don't call ODT and say, hey, can I see the certification on this bridge I'm about to pass? You just trust it and you go right over it. We trust so many things. Christ is certainly worthy of our trust. Psalm chapter 33, verse 1 through 11 says this. Sing joyfully to the Lord your righteousness. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. You can trust God. Praise the Lord with the harp and make music with the ten-string layer. You can trust God. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Sing to him a new song. God is not stuck in a rut. He's doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? Yes, sing the old hymns, but there is wonderful new music out there. Sing both and sing both skillfully and shout to joy for God. You can trust Jesus. He's worthy of it. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Not in some of the things he does. In all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. We think God does not love justice. We see all this injustice in this world, social injustice, racial injustice, economic injustice, all injustice everywhere. Let me tell you something. God loves justice. And he's going to set it all right one day. 
The earth is full of his unfailing love. You can trust him. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water, waters of the sea into jars and puts them deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. You can trust Christ alone. Verse 9, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of, of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. You can trust in the Lord. He is worthy of our time. He's worthy of our trust because he is Jesus. By Jesus and Jesus only, by Christ and Christ only, the Trinity, the Godhead, they spoke it all into being. And he can handle anything in your life. I don't care how big or small what's going on in your world. Jesus is worthy of your trust. You can trust him because he and he alone, Christ alone, can handle it. I love this his heart through all generations, through all generations, reminds me of Star Wars when he said the force is strong in this family, the Skywalker family line, the force is strong. I praise God for those praying grandmothers out there that are praying for their grandkids and have prayed for their kids and their kids to come and just praise God that he is faithful not just to one generation but to generation after generation after generation because here we are and he is still faithful and long after we're gone he is still going to continue to be faithful maybe you come from a family line that's not been faithful that they've not put their trust in Jesus and Christ alone maybe you come from a family that's broken and ruined but may you be the beginning of a strong generational love for Jesus Christ. May you be that grandmother or grandfather that is spoke about years and years to come. Thank goodness you started praying for your family and future family now. Thank goodness you put your trust and trust in Jesus alone. Why is he worthy? He's worthy because he is Jesus. Christ is worthy finally of our love. Christ is worthy of our love. Why? Because of who he is. Christ alone is worthy of our love. 1 John chapter 4, let's look at it together. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Jesus Christ loved you with his life, so love him with yours. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. I'll say it again so you can maybe tweet it or Facebook it. Spend a little bit of that time. He loved you with his life, so love him with yours. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says this. This is how much God showed his love amongst us. God didn't show his love to us far and above and high up looking down on us like a bunch of little itty bitty ants with pathetic pity. No, he came amongst us and he made his dwelling amongst us and he had compassion on us because as Jesus said, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he came down and said, I'll be their shepherd. I'll come down, I'll go down there and I'll save these people because I love them. 
Even though they probably won't love me back, I will love them in spite. While they're still yet sinners, I'm going to go die for them. Chapter 4, verse 9. This is how much God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. You see, God looked down on an unloving, uncaring, belligerent, spoiled, rotten people who were defiling his name. We didn't love him, but he looked down on us and he said, even though they don't love me, I'm going to go down there and love on them. Parents, sometimes your kids don't seem like they love you, but you've got to love them right back. My grandmother used to say, Timothy, I just love the tar out of you. I had a lot of tar in my heart, and she loved it right out of me. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, when you love one another, you're loving God. When you love one another, when we love one another... We're loving Jesus. He's right there in the midst of it. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When someone says, how do you know God is real? I've never seen him. Have you? Look at this person and say, you're seeing him right now. Not that I am God, but that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, resides in me. And the love I have for you is the same love God has for you. And I want to show you love and be there. You know what I'm saying? We are God's ambassadors. He's making his appeal through us to the world. Verse 13. We know that we live, we know that we live in him and he in us but he, because he has given us his spirit. Again, he breathed his life into us. He gave us his spirit. He gave that to us free of charge. There's no, and we can't repay him. He gave it to us free. That's that grace we talked about last week. Grace alone. He breathed his life into Adam's nostrils, which set on an amazing journey of love between us and him. And we have seen and testified, verse 14, that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Hashtag love is love. No. Hashtag God is love. God is love. He's love, purest love of all. And and we need to wrap our hearts and mind around around that. Be God's ambassador to the world and tell the world God is love. And I love you unconditionally because he loved me and he loves you unconditionally. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment, last week I told you grace alone. We talked about grace. We talked about what is grace. Grace is that he's not willing that any should perish, but have eternal life with him. He's patient with us. He's patient with us. He's patient with us. But guess what? One day judgment is coming. 
If I share with you grace and forgiveness and mercy, but don't share with you that judgment is coming, I've defrauded you. Because you will live your whole life believing there's no judgment to come as long as I just love, 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 love. But listen, if you love and don't have Christ in your heart, you have nothing. You can't stand before Jesus Christ one day and say, but I loved everybody. He'll say, but did you love me? Did you know me? See, when you love Jesus Christ, Christ alone, and you trust him and you give him your time and he is worthy of our love, when you love him, you can have confidence on the day of judgment. I see a doctor every three months because something crazy happened to me years ago. I had a seizure and crazy and all that stuff. And there are some months when I go to see him, I think, I don't want to go see the doctor because I don't have confidence that I've been doing well with my diet and my exercise and my blood pressure and my sugar levels. I'm not looking forward to seeing Dr. Martin because he is just going to wow. He's going to just let me have it. So I'm waiting for the judgment. It's coming. I sit in his office and he comes out. I know, Dr. Martin, I know. I'm heavier than I should be. My sugar levels are what it should be. It's just, but you know something? I've been doing really good the last few months. And I have confidence. I can't wait to walk into his room and sit down in that waiting room and be called into his office. And when he says, Tim, how you doing? I say, I don't know. You tell me. And I can't wait for him to go, wow, looks like you've been doing I'll have confidence. You can have the same confidence on the day of judgment. Because it is coming. You can have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. When you love, there's no fear. There's nothing but confidence. And God is not about punishment. It's about restoration. But make no mistake about it. The day of restoration will come and go, and judgment's coming. So who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Is he worthy of your time? Is he worthy of your trust? Is he worthy of your love? I hope he is. And if he's not, you can, you can receive all those things this morning. You can receive him and Christ and Christ alone. You can do that just by simply bowing your head and saying, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Come into my life. I make you the Lord and Savior. Not just my Savior. I make you my Lord. I'm going to follow you every day of my life. I'm not always going to follow well, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to stumble and I'm going to fall, but Lord, I know you're going to be there. I trust that you're going to be there to pick me right back up. Yeah? He's worthy, yes? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning as we leave this place. That we would all come to that place where we recognize that Christ alone is worthy. Christ alone is worthy of so much in our lives. He's in fact worthy of everything in our lives, including our very life. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen. We've all messed up. We've all just fallen off the cliff, but Father God, you are worthy of so much because you've loved us unconditionally in spite of how we've lived and even in spite of how we are living. So Father God, be with us this day. May we leave here differently than we walked in. 
Lord, I pray that if anyone were here this morning, they would do business with you, that needs to do business with you, that they would pray to you and they would come to you right now. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's close in a word. i 
God, we thank you that that is all we need is your power, your grace, your love that you have given so freely to us. You are worthy of our time. You are worthy of our trust. You're worth our love. You're worth everything that we have to give to you, God. Help us to fall more and more and more in love with you every single day. God, I ask that you would just keep that in the front of our mind this week, that everything we do, everything we spend our time on, God, you are worth so much more than those things. God, we love you, and we thank you for this time that we got to spend in your presence with other people who love you, God. In your name we pray, amen. Guys, if you prayed that, if you if you told God, you're worth it, you're worth it, Jesus, for the first time and ever, first time in a long time, we want to know. Come let us know. The altar is always open if you want to spend some more time with God, but let us know that you prayed that. We want to celebrate with you guys because that is a huge thing to give your heart, your love, and your life to God. You guys have an amazing week. We'll see you next week.